This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jay White here with Jeremy Thompson, owner of Computer Doctors and Phone Surgeons in Hattiesburg, Wills Couture with Newcore Steel and Holmes Community College is out this week. And we have uh, a bunch of fun stuff to talk to you about again this week, as always, with the news in the tech world. And uh, one of those things is uh, the biggest story of the week, probably Fitbit being bought by Google. We'll tell you for how much and uh, what that may mean for you as a Fitbit owner, number one. And uh, also, if you are a smartwatch fan, who is also an Android fan. So uh, it could lead in a couple of different directions there. Uh, Twitter is trying to, uh, or may fundamentally change how retweets and mentions work. Uh, UPS has delivered prescription drugs to U.S. homes by drone for the first time. iPhones are getting thousands of new fonts from Adobe, and good on them for that. That would be fun to have for Android as well. And... uh, uh, the U.S. launches a national security review of TikTok, according to Reuters. Uh, that and Facebook has a new logo. So if you want to call us this morning, those are just some of the things we'll talk about. But also, if you've got any problems, uh, tech issues, success stories, or anything else, uh, questions you may have for uh, Jeremy, one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Jeremy, good morning. Hey, Jeremy, you there? Oh, sorry about that. I have my mic muted. Good morning. <laughs> That's awesome. I thought I was going to have to answer the, twic, the, the tech questions for a minute. and then I was, It's all on you, Jay. I was it's very... all on you. I'm, I, I, technical. Uh, good luck. <laughs> I was very scared for a moment there. How, how are things going? Uh, things are going pretty good. I've, uh, I've been a little under the weather this week, so I want to give a shout out to my crew who's up there working hard at my shop while I'm taking care of things remotely. Um, been uh, been a busy uh, busy news week for tech, and just been trying to stay busy myself. Absolutely. So, uh, uh, anything anything uh, new with the, uh, the the tank nine thousand that you're building out there? Uh, nope. Uh, like I said last week, I finally got a motherboard <laughs> in it, so it has a built computer in it. But I have not gone over to the uh, liquid cooled arena yet. All right. Let's get uh, right into it again. If you want to call us up this morning and talk about any of these stories or if you have any questions uh, or problems or issues that you want to talk about with your tech, 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Google has bought Fitbit for $2.1 billion. And any initial thoughts uh, about that, just looking at it from the surface, Jeremy? 
Well, I haven't used any of Google's Android Wear, so I don't know uh, what the what they need the acquisition for. But I'm guessing that their their hardware is severely lacking. So this will bring them up to par with where the Apple Watch and the Samsung Galaxy are uh, currently poised. Um, I have a uh, Galaxy Active Watch myself. I use it uh, pretty much every day. And uh, it works really, really well. So if Google is about to be on that same level, then I might be getting me a Google Watch. Who knows? There you go. And uh, it, it's been, I guess it's it's been uh, suggested that this might be uh, Google's uh, full bore entry into having a Pixel Watch. There was an idea that they were going to have a Pixel Watch when the Pixel phone first launched in 2016, and then at the last minute it was kind of aborted. But uh, as you mentioned, I don't know that Google has ever, and look, I mean, obviously Google is spread out in a million different places um, with emphasis uh, all over the place, but they've been behind Apple with the Apple Watch, and, and they've never really been able to get you know any kind of traction in that market. And buying Fitbit, which is a pioneer in this technology, is uh, a pretty strong move for them if they could just attach their Google name to that technology and and push it forward that that could be their answer to kind of making it a two horse race by and large. Yeah. I mean like you said Fitbit was the originator of the activity tracking band so um they they I'm sure they have some some knowledge and experience that they can convey to Google to help them in their in their way. 2.1 billion dollars was the price tag. Um and this goes with um, Google's purchase of uh, fossils tech, or, or I should say smartwatch technology. They bought that uh, in January for $40 million. And Fossil has had some success um, coming from the actual like wrist wear part of this world as opposed to the technology uh, part of the industry. Fossil is has really had, you might say, the most traction in this industry from a non-tech company, but an actual watchmaker, uh, and they sold their tech for forty million to Google. So maybe Google takes all of this stuff, puts it together, and makes a Pixel watch. Uh, have do you have an opinion, or have you heard folks have an opinion about? Uh, how much of a difference there is, and I'm asking you because I don't know uh, how much of a difference there is or does the difference between iOS and Android translate to the smartwatch as it does, you know, for, you know, operating systems for tablets and cell phones and things like that? Yes, it does. Um, One of the main issues is compatibility. Uh, for example, my Galaxy Watch, I can't uh, – there are certain things that I can uh, connect it to an iPhone and do, but they're extremely limited in what they can do. Same with an Apple Watch. You can't just pair it with an Android. It's not It's not going to work very well. It is interesting, though, and I guess this is what you get with Android because it is so uh, open source. But Android, you mentioned – you have Samsung's uh, smartwatch entry, and now, I mean, Samsung uh, uses Android as its platform. Now, Google, the provider of that Android platform, is going into business for itself in this, and so they're kind of, while they're partners, they are competing against each other. I don't know. If, if I was Samsung, and look, I mean, Samsung, I mean, it's 
self-sustainable far outside of smartwatches. But I don't know. There's something about that that would kind of, I don't know, maybe frustrate me a little bit because they are partners. But now Google is obviously going into business, as I mentioned, for themselves in this industry. And they're competing directly with one of their partners to a certain extent. Or am I looking at that wrong? You know, I'm not really sure. But I will say that I think the acquisition of Fossil was because Fossil makes very aesthetically pleasing watches. Most of your smartwatches are not really that good looking. So I think they want to make something that's going to be more pleasing to the eye than than most of the previous ones have been. Because even uh, the one that I've got is the Galaxy Active, and they just released the Active 2. And I went and looked at them, and I was like, I don't know, man. It's kind of big. It's kind of bulky. I still like the little one. So I, I think... They're starting to understand that not everybody wants this giant screen on their on their wrist. It's not just a statement for everybody, but it is something that that is useful and is not something that necessarily needs to be seen all the time. In your personal taste, I, I mean, look, and I know they want to jam a bunch of technology into what you can do on your wrist. But at the same time, I mean, like you mentioned, unless you're going to have a gigantic screen uh, slapped around your wrist, you're kind of limited for space and what you can actually do is, is there, um, what's the balance between functionality and fashionability, I guess I should say, if that's a word even. Well, you know, as cool as it is to act like you're Dick Tracy and talk into your <laughs> wrist, it's, it's not practical. Um, and, and honestly doing just about anything on your smartwatch for more than about 30 seconds is difficult because you have to keep holding your arm up. So at that point, it's almost easier just to take it off your wrist. <laughs> so for me, um, I like to use it to glance at text messages or messages that come to me, uh, emails, different things. I can just look and see, do I need to pull my phone out for this? No, it's not that big of a deal. You know, It's just somebody texting me telling me something trivial or, or maybe it is something important and I do need to look. But it kind of saves me the trouble of having to unlock my phone and, and do all that. Do want folks to let us know, uh, you know, what they think if they've been in, uh, you know, of course, you know, smartwatches are a big deal now. So it's not like this is something that's just coming into the industry. Let us know your experiences uh, with your smartwatch, which one you prefer if you've tried both, uh, what you think they need to be moving toward or going for, or, uh, you know, who do you think is closer to having the perfect balance? That number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I know for me, man, I just to have the text messages coming over your over your wrist can be cumbersome. Wife, can. wife. I mean, it just. I mean, it's like ding, ding, ding. I mean, I don't know. I would uh, after a while. I even if I wasn't wearing my watch, I think my wrist would be buzzing for some reason and then keep looking down and. Not even wearing the watch anymore, but man, I just that's a lot of people having close access to you all the time. We'll take a break here. When we come back, we'll get to the phones, Bill, and call your bill. We'll talk to him first, and also somebody else moving into the folding screen phone industry and another groan from the audience. This is Everyday Tech from MPB Think Radio. an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, 
Dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. Thank you so much for listening on this Wednesday morning with Jeremy Thompson. I'm Jay White. Wiltz is out this week. First segment we were talking about uh, Google buying Fitbit and what that means for the uh, smartwatch industry. You can call us up if you want to talk about that. 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464. Coming up in just a minute. Uh, UPS delivers prescription medications to U.S. homes by drone for the first time. And they make a claim that this is a first in the U.S., but there are some others that have kind of been doing, um, if not the very same thing, something similar. So there is some, uh, I guess there is a bit of uh, uh, argument over whether or not that is an accurate statement or not. But regardless, uh, we are continuing to move forward in that direction, which... um, ultimately, if we get it right, it could be a really, really cool and awesome thing. And we could talk about that in just a minute. But first, let's go to the phones. First up is Bill in Collierville. Bill, good morning. Good morning. What's going on? I, I like to go to sleep with my laptop on YouTube, but I, I wanted to figure out a way to have it turn off after an hour or, you know, 90 minutes so that it turns off you know, once I fall asleep, is there a setting I can I can do that with? Uh, you can go in and change the sleep time on your computer, but it won't know if you're sleeping once it goes to sleep. It's just going to go off after a set amount of time. So you can okay. go in and tell it an hour or two hours or whatever. Yeah, just change your sleep time. Where, where do you, you do that? Are you running Windows 10? Yes. Okay, if you will just... Uh, Tap on your Windows key and type the word sleep. It will come up oh. under best match, and it will say power and sleep settings, and then you can change where it says when plugged in and uh, when it's on battery, what you want it to do. Oh, thank you. Can, can no I problem. ask another question without pushing? Of course. Uh, I <laughs> no, go ahead. Jay, is he at his limit? No, no. he's still. It's unlimited, but you may get throttled oh. at this question, though. Okay, well, I have an old CRT tube that I want to get rid of. What's the best way to dispose of old Uh, CRTs, and for that matter, an old computer? A lot of times your your community will have a day where you can take old electronics to them and you can get rid of them that way. Some Best Buy might take them off your hands. Some other uh, secondhand uh, electronics or repair shops might take them off your hands. Um, most of us have some sort of uh, connection with someone that, that comes and gets that kind of scrap and disposes of it safely. Uh, you might just want to call around and see, but I, w- I would definitely check Best Buy um, and look and see if your community has any sort of local drive. Thank you so much. All right. We, appreciate, we appreciate the call this morning, Bill. Uh, a quick Google says a thing called Omega Recycling Solutions in the Memphis area will do this for you. Compre- uh, free computer and e-scrap recycling and hard drive destru- destruction. So there you go. You can. Uh, it, all I did was a simple Google search for uh, Memphis old electronics, and it was the first thing underneath a map of different stuff. So there you go. 
and uh, we appreciate the call this morning. One eight seven seven MPB ring is the number. One eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Jeremy, I'm surprised that YouTube doesn't have some sort of a sleep function. Uh, they probably will eventually. Um, and de- I'm sure that the uh, the app does. I've never actually used it, but I'm sure it pulls a Netflix or a Hulu thing where it's like, are you still watching? Yeah, yeah, especially uh, if you mentioned if you're on a playlist or something like that after a certain while. But I just went to the the browser version of YouTube and, cl- uh, YouTube and clicked on the, um, the settings. And, yeah, sure enough, it's uh, very limited, the settings. More limited than I remember it being when using it in the past. But... Uh, all right, let's go back to the phones, and let's go to Jerry, who's in Ashland. Jerry, good morning. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Um, I have a friend who has a Windows 10 on an older Dell computer, and she has Outlook. And when I was just trying to help her out the other day, and I noticed her Outbox was full. And I tried to send stuff, and I get this code 0x8004010F. And I've queried that, and followed the instructions and they don't really match up with, with her computer uh, so any ideas what we can do to make this thing actually send her emails so when you're sending email you're talking about a connection to an SMTP server that's your simple mail transfer protocol server and what has most likely happened is the security settings between that server need to be updated uh, they were updated on the uh, the mail provider's end, but they weren't updated on your end. And unfortunately, they do not send out notifications once they change these things. They just flip a switch on their end and they say, all right, well, they'll figure it out once they can't get their emails to send out. Uh, So you need to go in and check the SMTP settings and make sure that the correct server settings are there. You can go to her mail host and uh, they should be able to provide you with the correct SMTP settings in order to get that issue resolved. Um, but if it's stuck in the outbox, that's that's my that's my first guess. Well, thanks. That sounds real good. She's got uh, a DSL with Earthlink, and it's it's like uh, molasses on Earthlink. Yeah, we'll they see may not if be it's, good, but they're slow. You know. Eh, well, see, Earthlink may have just uh, recently secured their servers, so probably what you'll have to do is turn on SSL or TLS encryption uh, in order to continue to communicate with that server. Now, this is just. Uh, this is just a supposition. Now, I'm, I'm basing that on the fact that this is what I have to do for clients over time uh, as those settings get updated. But Earthlink being an older provider, uh, it may have taken them a little while to finally uh, throw that switch. So um, I would check that first. Um, I can tell you their SMTP, uh, the, the outgoing port needs to be 587. So make sure that that's the port number. Um, and you can... Google Earthlink SMTP settings to get all of that information. Make sure that that all lines up with Outlook. Outlook. And if that's good, then uh, give us a holler back or send us an email at everydaytech at mpbonline.org, and we'll be more than happy to help you if you need further assistance. So it's not making a good handshake, is what you're saying. That's what it sounds like. Okay. Yeah, it's it's probably hmm. – it's not secure on her end, and it needs to be. Okay, will do. May I ask you two more questions, please? Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. Jay, uh, uh, the limit? Yeah, I'm sorry. Still I have to not... keep making that joke. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Jay. She, like she's, she's got XP10, and, and every time she boots up, she gets this thing about her OneDrive is full. Mm-hmm. Is that some cloud-based storage thing that she doesn't use? Or I mean, I run, I run uh, Windows 7, so I have no idea about 10. I've been trying to deal with it for 
Uh-huh. But okay. this is her one drive is full. Does that even matter? Uh, well, if she's using it, yes. But if she's not using it, then no. And what you can do uh, in Windows 10 is actually go down there and right-click on your uh, on your task bar. That's the big bar with all your icons and stuff on it. And uh, you'll see Task Manager. Just yes. click on Task Manager and go to the Startup tab. Okay. And find uh, Microsoft OneDrive in that list. Give it an old right click and hit disable. Okay. That will keep that prompt from coming up. If she's not using it especially, you can also uninstall it from the computer. Uh, but Windows 10 can make that process a little cumbersome. So it's easier just to go in there and just nuke it from your startup. That's great. And my final question is just for me. I have an uh, Android Galaxy S5. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, and it, I mean, it works good, but it started where, like, if I if I change the time for my uh, screen timeout, it just kind of mm-hmm. doesn't do it. I wonder if I just need to back it up somewhere and do a complete wipe and reinstall, or is there a safe way to back it up that's not cloud based? Uh, yeah, you can hook it directly up to your computer, and you can back up all of the uh, the stuff that you have on it. Um, you will need to get some kind of an app on the phone to back up the apps and so forth if you're looking to do a full backup. But if you're just looking to back up your pictures and any kind of data that you've downloaded to it, you can hook it directly up to your computer and allow your computer to uh, browse that device and pull all your files off manually. Yeah, I've done that. All right, then. All right. Yeah, I, w- I would suggest if you're having issues with the screen timeout um, and you've, you've tried uh, playing with it for a little while and it's still not giving in, you might want to look at uh, resetting it and see if it uh, starts acting right. Yeah, that's probably it. Well, I appreciate you guys. I support uh, MPB, and, and you're worth you're worth your weight in gold to the public. Thank you very much. Jerry, we certainly do appreciate that endorsement. We appreciate you calling in this morning from Ashland. one mpb ring is the number, one 672 7464 I tell you, if, uh, I mean, you can Google. There's YouTube videos about how to do this if you don't know already, uh, uh, but being able to go into Windows and disable several, and especially if you download a lot of stuff, if you're kind of a you know a program dork and you like to download stuff and try it out, um, I mean that that can become a, an issue after a while if you don't kind of keep that stuff you know trim and proper and, and and clean out what you're not using or what you don't like anymore. But man, the the ability to um, prevent programs from starting at startup on your computer is a beautiful thing because yes. like that OneDrive thing that he was talking about, because I've had that issue before where you're, okay, I'm going to try out OneDrive, but I'm not going to pay for the upgrade. And so you run out of space pretty quick. And then every time you log your computer, it's like, hey, OneDrive, OneDrive, OneDrive. And you're like, I get out of here, OneDrive. But yeah, that's that's a beautiful thing to be able to tell. And, and they hide it because obviously they're trying to keep that stuff in your face for specific reasons. Um, but um uh, being able to tell uh, Windows what stuff you do and do not want to have start when your computer starts is a beautiful thing. So when we have computers that come in the shop and they're slow and all, that's literally the first thing we look at is what's starting up with this computer because it's possible for a virus or malware to also preload itself into your operating system. So it's good to go in there and give it a look. And uh, if you're not using the programs, if you know what you're doing, go in here and turn them off. If you accidentally turn something off and say your printer is not working anymore, maybe go back in there and flip one back on. Um I've had that issue sometimes, but I will uh, share a little bit of trivia with you, Jay. When uh, uh-huh. when I was a kid and uh, I got my first computer that I started doing computer doctory things on, <laughs> um, 
it was uh, it was a Windows ME rig, and uh, it was every oh. bit of terrible as it sounds. Um, but when I first got it back from the guy, uh, it it just had a bunch of programs that were popping up like we were talking about. And so I emailed him and I was like, Hey man, um, you know, I got all these programs coming up and I don't want them to come up. And he's like, okay, well you say they hide it now. They actually make the, uh, the startup issue, uh, the startup programs easier to find in windows 10 than they did in any other previous version of windows because they hit it under a run command, uh, called MS config. So if you're not on windows 10 right. or windows eight and you want to change your startup stuff, you have to go to MS config. And so that, was literally one of the first tweaky type things that I learned to do in Windows. And it helped me help a lot of people because those startup programs can get pretty nasty. They can. Windows Millennium Edition, huh? Yes, sir. Man, let me tell you, that was, I had a, uh, when I was younger, I had a uh, desktop that ran Windows Millennium Edition, bought it at just the right time, right? And that, that, everybody has that, like that PC, if you're, if you're kind of a computer dork and and you you dig desktops that's kind of one of my favorites you have that one rig right that kind of hooked you and that's that was the one for me i did have a computer that i bought earlier that had windows 95 on it aol the whole bit uh but this is the one where i really started to teach myself you know how how windows works and do deep dives and different things like that and learn how you can really manipulate the program and the system, and it was a Windows ME. And I know there are horror stories, but for some reason, that one has a, a, a personal connection to me because it was one yeah. that I've sat there running for like two or three or four years. Well, this was the first. See, I had a family computer before that that had Windows ninety five on it, but yeah. this was the first one that was actually mine that, like, you know, I could tweak. And let me tell you, she crashed like five times a day, <laughs> just just insane. But. Finally, I got a copy of Windows XP, and I put that on there, and I never looked back. She never crashed again. That's right. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we got three phone lines occupied. There is one open. You can call us, one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll hit the phones when we come back. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, Dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio with Jeremy Thompson. I am Jay White. Thanks for listening this morning. Before we head back to the phones, I want to tell you that in just a a little bit, uh, we're going to talk about uh, (laughs) a new entry 
or impending entry into the foldable foldable phone universe. Motorola wants to be back on the scene, and they're bringing back the old school razor, and it it, it has a an old school look. It looks like the uh, the last I guess rock star razor that was high atop the charts back in two thousand four, which is fifteen years ago now. Java, what's going on, man? You talking about this new jitterbug they trying to uh pass off <laughs> as a uh <laughs> as a new motor the razor jitterbug. Nobody, nobody wants that, man. Nobody wants what? Nobody you know, wants I agree. That. I agree, Java. I think this is pandering to the wrong audience of people. And for its time it was a cool phone, but that time has passed. That ship has sailed. That phone is kinda ugly now. Yeah, you know, it was it was number one, man. It, it, it topped the charge for it a was, long it time. Was, it was hot stuff yeah. back then. And then the iPhone came along and just <laughs> smashed everything that it ever did. So, yeah. you know, we kind of forgot about the that. The iPhone came along and it was like, well, I don't need this. I don't need this rotary phone anymore. I've this got non-touch screen. Yes, I've got a cordless phone to carry around my house now. So grandma doesn't have to have that one cord that'll stretch all the way across the neighborhood that she can tote along with her while she's talking on the phone. At least that was mine. Also, a little bit later on, uh, Jeremy, uh, we're going to talk about Microsoft's uh, Project uh, Silica. Uh, we'll, yeah. talk, we'll talk about that as well. First, let's go to the phones. We've got Linda up in Port Gibson first. Linda, good morning. Good morning. Yes, uh, I spoke with Jeremy uh, some time ago, oh, maybe two weeks ago. I'm having an issue with my uh, Yahoo. Uh-huh. I can't get into my Yahoo, and it's not recognizing my password. And uh, I, I spoke with Jeremy, and they said they would send me some type of link to try to uh, correct that problem, maybe transfer over to Outlook. But I haven't well, been able to get into my, my Yahoo since October 10th. Okay. Well, if memory serves, we were actually talking about moving you over to a Gmail account. But if you're having an issue with your password, we got to fix that problem before the Gmail thing will do anything right. at all. Um, so if you're not able to get into your Yahoo account, are you trying to do this on your phone or on your computer? On my phone, on my phone. Okay. It's, um, generally, uh, it's a little easier to do it on your, uh, on your desktop. But, um, if you go to your browser, you should be able to do, or through your app, even you should be able to do a forgot your password. Have you clicked on that and tried to recover your password? Yes, I have. Okay. All right. Sounds like you've done it quite a few times. And, um, uh, it was not successful. It was not successful. Okay. Uh, so the last time that your password worked was October 10th. Um, you haven't checked anything. You've made sure that you've checked all your spelling and that you're putting all the information in correctly, and you are still not able to log in. Not and when you, when you hit forgot your password, what does it prompt you to do? Does it send a code to your phone or? Uh, it sends a code to my phone. And, okay. Uh, I put the code in. Uh huh. But see, the thing of it is, when you go into settings, that's what seems to be the problems. When you go into settings, uh-huh. uh huh. It does that auto password. Uh huh. And somehow it's not, they're not jiving together. Okay. Uh, so are you using, um, are you using Google Chrome or I'm what using browser? Google Chrome. Google okay. Chrome. So this is on your phone, and it's automatically putting the password in? Right. Okay, so I want you to try something for me. Um, Okay. If you're using Google Chrome, 
and you right. open Chrome up, up there in the uh, in the top right corner, there's three little dots. You see those? Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I, I can't see. Okay. It right well, now, but that's I all right. Know what you're talking what, about. Well, there's three little dots in the top, and there's right. uh, the, the top two options are new tab and new incognito tab. Try to right. open an incognito tab because it's not going to try to autofill your password that way, and then you can go through and reset your password, and hopefully that will fix the issue. Then you can log in normally. But incognito doesn't doesn't track your uh, your usage. It doesn't try to autofill passwords. So I would say try to use that type of window to log in. That way it won't try to automatically put in a password that you've already used or whatever. Yeah. It, it, that's what it sounds like it's doing. Well, I just got one thing to say. Oh. Mm-hmm. I do have a I have a copy of Windows ninety five. I I just keep it and put it in my library just to hold it. Piece of history right, right there. There you go. So uh, Linda, um, because your uh, your phone has uh-huh. uh, has a connection to your Yahoo account and they're sending you a code. You should right. be able to recover and reset your password. You shouldn't. Uh, that shouldn't keep running into an issue. So uh, try that. Try the incognito window and let us know how that okay. goes. Okay, I will. And thank you so much for your help, Linda. We yes, appreciate ma'am. it. Also, you could go to passwords.google.com if you're logged in on your Google account, and it's basically your password manager for Google. So if you have any saved passwords for websites. Uh, and there's different ways you could set up. You could set it up to where it's autofill, uh, but obviously it's just bypassing that and logging her straight in. But you can delete that password there from passwords.google.com. And if you get that deleted out of there, then the next time you go there, uh, it will not try to autofill that for you. But in lieu of that, like Jeremy said, yeah, incognito tab. Uh, um, so. I I said the uh, incognito just because the passwords when that can result in a massive list of sites that she's got to go oh, through yeah. to mm-hmm. find which one she's looking for. So I just wanted to go for the simplest method for her to get her password changed, and then hopefully once she logs into it, it will prompt her to update her password, and then she can uh, update the new settings. All right, let's go back to the phones. We've got V in Waynesboro. V, good morning. Good morning. Go. I enjoy your show. Thank you. Um, my question is, my laptop, it will start up and then the screen will, will black out. Someone said that I had a battery inside and it may need replacing. I have purchased a battery pack from Dell for um, connection to um, wattage. Um, mm-hmm. Can you help me with that? Is there a battery inside and does it need changing? Most of the newer laptops do have internal batteries and they can die, but typically if your laptop is actually turning on, that's not normally the case. So uh, when you turn your machine on, do you see the Dell logo? I see the Dell logo and it will come up, um, it will bring up the Windows Orb. Mm-hmm. It'll, I can't connect. After a while, it just screen just goes out. It just clicks Okay. Off. So does the screen actually go out, or does it just go black? Can you tell if there's still a light on? It goes black, I think. Okay. 
So if if the device is turning on and it's actually getting to the point where it will boot Windows, then it sounds like um, your battery is okay. And even if your battery is not okay, you should be able to leave it plugged in and still be able to use the device. But it sounds to me like you've got an issue with Windows booting and not a battery like your friend suggested. What should I do next? Um, I would take it to a repair shop and have them diagnose the problem with it. It, it just sounds like Windows is not booting up. Now, um, one way you can test this theory is um, when you see the little Windows ring, um, if you'll actually just cut the laptop off before that starts spinning too much, um, you'll need to go through and do that three times. On the third time, you should see where, it, where the little Windows ring would be. It should say automatic repair or attempting automatic repair, something to that effect. Um, if you see that, then you'll know that there's some kind of an issue with Windows booting up, and it's not just the laptop itself dying. Okay. How do I delete thousands and thousands of um, emails? Well, uh, for that, you would have to actually log into your uh, your mail server unless you have a uh, mail client set up to delete the messages from the server. And in most of our modern configurations, we don't have it set up that way because we don't want to accidentally delete something on our phone uh, that we may need to, to retrieve. Uh, so where do you have your email uh, service with? I have Yahoo. Okay, you have Yahoo. So you need to log into your Yahoo account and actually delete them from the uh, the mail provider itself. Uh, once you're logged in there, you can permanently delete the emails out. There is a way once you set up an email account to go in and tell it to do that after a certain amount of time, but it requires a little bit more configuration. So it would be easier for you to just go in there and just delete them yourself. Gosh, thousands and thousands. Well, um, like uh, – like we've told people in the past, um, you can migrate your account over to Google, and that will get rid of a lot of the spam in it. But it's still going to require some maintenance on your end as far as deleting a lot of the emails. Okay. How do I transfer over to Google? Uh, now, for that, I would need you to uh, send us an email so I could send you some instructions. Our email address is everydaytech at mpbonline.org. If you'll just shoot us an email, I'll be more than happy to send you those instructions step-by-step step so that you can migrate your account to Gmail. Nothing against Yahoo, but, man, some folks are uh, – they they don't know what they're missing with Gmail. Jay, man. everything against Yahoo, man. They have been, they have been hacked <laughs> so many times. They have been uh, – they have exchanged hands from so many different companies because nobody wants it. But you can't let it die because it's Yahoo. I mean like the world might cease to exist if Yahoo wasn't there, I guess. Well, yeah. That's why they keep bailing it out. But um, yeah, it's, it's changed hands so many times. I, I've watched it go from uh, decent to bad to terrible to sad. Now Yahoo is almost oh, like that, like that razor phone, man. It, oh, exactly. It's from, exactly. It's from, it's, from, it's from yesteryear. Yahoo. You nailed you it. You had man. to have a Yahoo account back in the day, but not so much in I'm 2019. Go buy an old razor Yahoo. and install Yahoo on it. Yahoo uh, Mail. Yahoo That's, is the razor of email providers. But Listen. I will say, Yahoo Sports. They keep the scoops, though. They do. They do. Okay. Okay. They do have the best sports app. Uh, well, they didn't build it, but they bought it. But anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy an old razor, install Yahoo <laughs> Mail on it, and going around listening to some Maroon Five on CD in uh, 
Well, or anyway. maybe, or maybe some incubus. I don't, I don't think that's going to work, guys. With the, with the way that the mobile web has changed, that phone is going to try to load a mobile website and crash itself. You think so? I think so. Oh well, that's old Java browsers. Java, you ever get yeah. paid from that? They owe you some rights, <laughs> don't they? Hey, my name is on all this computer stuff, and I haven't seen a dime yet. The JavaScript yeah. will it's make you tap down. out. Goodness, Clean Cut Jones in there running the board for us. All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll talk about Microsoft's Project Silica. Uh, and also, uh, as we mentioned before, uh, a handful of other things, including um, UPS mailing prescription drugs by drone, or I guess delivering, not really mailing. That and much more we still got to get to in uh, the time that we have left. Everyday Tech MPB Think Radio will be back. This is an MVB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is MPB Think Radio. that jam the ode to mike Isolino. welcome back everyday tech mpb think radio jeremy thompson jay white here and jeremy a lot of stuff to get into here but let's talk about first some pretty mind-bending stuff at least from the from uh, the ground view anyway or maybe the thirty thousand foot view the microsoft project silica tell us about that all right, so Microsoft has taken a 75 by 75 uh, by 2 millimeter uh, thick uh, piece of glass, and they have used a laser to uh, encode the movie Superman onto this piece of glass. So it's supposed to be able to withstand being boiled in hot water. I don't know how many times that's accidentally happened to a CD uh, that I've owned. Uh, baked in an oven, uh, same scenario uh, microwaved actually did that to a CD for fun, um, but then we've got flooded, scoured, and demagnetized, which I can definitely see yeah. uh, as being uh, useful. So the idea here is that they create a storage medium that lasts pretty much forever, definitely several human lifespans. So they took the movie Superman and they did this. And I, I now I'm not a huge Superman fan, so I may be about to catch some flack here. Um, <laughs> I think they chose Superman because he's the man of steel. Like he's, you know, like not a lot can take him down, such as ovens and microwaves and being uh, boiled in hot water. None of those things will stop Superman. But I'm a little confused because it's a piece of glass and he's the man of steel. I think they should have chosen something more clever like Unbreakable. I think that would, have, oh, yeah. that would have conveyed the message better. But I think they wanted to pick something a little more iconic. Yeah. A little more, universal, uh, universal brand yeah. awareness. Right, exactly. But this is really cool uh, because uh, this means that uh, there's a lot of conditions that uh, are 
our information can be protected from except for gravity. It doesn't say that it resists gravity. It doesn't say <laughs> that it can't easily be dropped or chipped. I'd like to know how durable it is, but this is really this is really neat because it, it's a it's a new type of storage medium, and there's no telling where this might show up. Who knows? We may all have little glass slides that we store everything on in ten years. Wow, that is pretty remarkable. Uh, and I wonder, yeah, I just wonder how uh, I wonder how we are going to get to a place where that is you know, practically uh, adaptable to, you know, everyday use. I mean, I know we're a long way between here and there, and there's a lot of development to be done, but that's pretty exciting uh, when you find, when you come to a point uh, where there's, you know, a totally new idea and way to do something that's been done for the longest time. Yep, it's pretty cool. Uh, CDs and DVDs themselves, they have a shelf life of about 100 years, so it's not like that information was really... Uh, at risk, but it's it's definitely cool to see a more futuristic storage medium. We went from storing it on pla- or in a, on a little sheet in between plastic to actually etching it into the glass. That's that's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Like I, that's it blows my mind how that technology could even work. Like how would it read or anything like that? But all right, I'll, we'll be looking for that. And yeah, I'll I'll try to get in touch with them and suggest Unbreakable or yeah. The Muppet, the Muppets take Manhattan. There's just something besides yeah, Superman. You know. <laughs> All right, uh, man, UPS subsis, subsidiary, easy for me to say, UPS Flight Forward has just completed what it claims is a first for the U.S. drone delivery market, delivering prescription medication directly to a customer's home by drone. On November 1st, the company flew the medication from a pharmacy in North Carolina to a home before making a second delivery to a nearby retirement community. The deliveries were made in partnership with CVS Pharmacy, and uh, a, um, as well as Matternet, a drone logistics company. The flight was made autonomously, but was monitored by a remote operator who was able to take over if the drone experienced any difficulties. Uh, let's see. When it arrived, the Matternet M2 drone hovered 20 feet above the property before slowly lowering its package via a cable. The uh, hope is that drone deliveries like this will make it easier for customers with limited mobility to get their medication in the future some pretty mind-blowing stuff huh well man i live up on the third floor and i just (laughs) don't feel like walking down can y'all send that drone over here with my pills today please i know right that's and in north carolina too uh, that's you know you would expected this to be like in la or chicago or new york or something like that but that's pretty cool Uh, These aren't the first drone deliveries that have been made in the U.S., nor are they even the first from UPS. Specifically, Google Offshoot Wing launched a drone delivery service of its own last month in Virginia, which delivers over-the-counter medicines and other health and wellness items. And UPS has also been operating a drone delivery pilot at Wake Med Hospital in North Carolina since March, where it says it now has made 1,500 deliveries. With, uh, what's new is that UPS's flight forward service includes prescription medications and that it's flying them directly to residential homes. Uh, the reason for the relatively slow progress of drone deliveries has a lot to do with regulation, which prevents companies from flying drones outside of an operator's direct line of sight or at night without proper FAA authorization. Uh, UPS only got approval to operate its drone, its quote-unquote drone airline, in late September, while Wing earned its approval back in April. 
And now that both companies have earned the FAA's approval, it'd be much easier for them to gain experience at making drone deliveries to customers in the real world. So, man, that could be uh, really, really important and big deal there. Definitely. And I want to know, like, what's the added expense to have it delivered that way? Because surely it's not free. That's true. And I wonder what would be, uh, I mean, obviously, and we talked about this, I I, I guess it was last week when uh, a San Francisco Chronicle um, columnist kind of called out Facebook and Tesla and uh, Airbnb for marketing themselves during the Kincaid fires and the rolling uh, blackouts in California. So, I mean, same thing here. Obviously, it's got to be financially justifiable, but I wonder what, you know, at at what point and in what way they can make this financially justifiable. Like, how? I guess, how are they going to make money off of it eventually? They'll... you know. Know. Are the insurance companies going to pay for right. it? No, yeah, we're not buying, no, we're paying for that. Just so flying, flying robots? We're not paying for that. That's not covered under your policy. That's right. Well, I was just about to say, I wonder how much the insurance will get into this. And that, Man, if you've got FAA regulations, insurance regulations, and all of this tied up into one, there's a, there's a wonder this thing will ever literally get off the ground. It's, I'm curious because you have to have a, 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 a pilot standing by to take over in case there's any issues. Well, he can't be flying more than one at a time. I mean, th- this has to be a very special type of delivery that, that, that is not – it's limited to certain, certain types of situations. That's got to be what it is because otherwise uh, they're going to have to have a lot of drone pilots. All right, before we go, uh, Twitter has announced, uh, well, not Twitter necessarily, but uh, their VP for Design and Research um, uh, mentioned in a tweet uh, on the 4th uh, features that Twitter is going to be actively tinkering with in 2020, including, all right, you ready for this, a feature that is basically remove me from this conversation, uh, don't allow retweet of this tweet, ooh, so basically, you could just put your business out there without somebody else taking it and running with it. Uh, don't allow people to uh, at mention me without my permission. Uh, remove this at mention of me from this conversation and tweet this only to hashtag interest or these specific friends. How about that? That sounds a lot like what Facebook did about, I don't know, six, seven years ago when they introduced the acquaintances and the close friends and all that and all the privacy settings that they were trying to limit who could see what. Yeah. Uh, that's really good because uh, one of the reasons I don't even use Twitter is because I got stuck in the middle of a conversation and I couldn't get out of it. I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Some of this stuff, though, I mean, Twitter is kind of a natural selection, right? Uh, the stupid people weed themselves out on Twitter. That, that sounded really harsh. I apologize. I was one of the stupid people, man. I was like, I no, gotta get out of here. No, no, I'm not talking about operator error or or lack of wanting to deal with you know the the operation. I'm talking about you know people talking themselves you know right out of business uh, with their language and their ideologies and things like that. Twitter has a way because you can't hide right now on Twitter. You can't hide things, and so these things have a way of finding themselves out. And, uh, and when working themselves in a positive way, most of the time anyway. We'll be back next week. Stay tuned. Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart is coming up next on Think Radio.